Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, it certainly is. And there's a reason why my voice is so plucky for the end of the season. Normally you feel a bit flat, but, you know, oh, the you know, Premier League's over. But I'm quite happy this week here on the Two Sharp Reds because, Mark, a couple of weeks ago, you shamed me and made me feel quite embarrassed that I was looking and sounding a little bit husky after... The morning after the North London derby, uh, I was a little bit worse for wear. But looking yes. at you today, you look like you've watched about five North London derbies. What you, <laughs> you look? Have you been burning the the candle at both ends? Come on, what's I'm, going on? I'm, listen, I may have been. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that uh, I have. Uh, yeah. I may have been burning the candle at both ends. But the best thing about it is, I've been. If I have been, it's certainly not been watching a game of football and particularly not watching Arsenal, because that would drive anyone to the extreme, out of limits. Well, you didn't watch the last day of the season against Watford then, because that was a, a fantastic game. That was brilliant. They, scra- they scraped through 3-2, didn't they? Well, yeah, but you were looking, you're not looking at the whole time, Mark. <laughs> you're looking at the result. You're not looking at the storyline of the game. Yeah, but did, they fo- did they finish in Europe? No. no. Okay. But we right, still got off. FA Cup. Still got end FA off. Cup. Yeah, That's but Chelsea, listen, all I can say is Chelsea finished in the Champions League position, had no opportunity to purchase any players, had a transfer embargo, yeah. very inexperienced, new manager coming into the job, did a tremendous job, finished in the Champions League and is in the FA Cup final, which they would win, of course, and beats your Gooners. Mm. My Gooners? That's a funny way of saying yeah. our. I didn't know we pronounced it like that, but that's okay. No, your Gooners. You're, you are, you are. You won't shut up about them. You're obsessed. no. no. <laughs> uh, Mark, here on the Two Sharp Reds, as you know, we like to try a different bottle of Burgundy grape, compare it to a player past or present, of course, to sort of, you know, say sayonara in a way to the, to the Premier League season. It is over. It's been a strange one. This will be our last episode until the Champions League and Europa League return. Get stuck back into some European footy. Uh, but let's just discuss for the last time before that break, uh, what wine have you gone for this week? Well, I'm going for something a little bit different. I went to this vineyard. Uh, it's a bodega, and it's in uh, Puerta de Santa Maria, which is not far from here, about 20 minutes away, near Cardiff. Uh-huh. Uh, this area is very much into the sherries. Um, very, very cool. It was a really good experience. And it's a bodega de Gutierrez Colosia. And the wine I'm going to drink is a Oloroso. So is this a blend? Is this a sherry... Blend or is it's it? It's a type a, of sherry. I mean, the, the, right. the only the blend the blend that they do is the actually the English blend. The English had created it, which is called a cream. So okay. it's a sherry cream, uh, and it's a it's a combination of two of the different the two different types of sherry. And it was really interesting to understand the way that they produce sherry, and they kind of do it in, a, in a, like a pyramid system. So they have the barrels lined up, 
sitting on top of each other in, yeah. in rows of generally three they were and big big barrels each barrel held 500 liters of of, uh, of sherry in it and uh they started from the the newest newest uh produced sherry in the top one and then the middle one is the next age one so they, the way they described it was the kindergarten middle school and then and then it's uh well actually kindergarten and then uh high school and then it went to university so and what they do they never empty the the, the barrels completely so they would take say 100 liters out of one barrel the bottom barrel the fifth the, 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 the out of the 500 they would use that take that out and then from the middle barrel they'd put in another 100 down into the bottom one and so on and they bring it from the top into the middle and then they bring a fresh 100 liters into the very top one and that's how the kind of the pyramid system works yeah. and they never empty, never empty the barrels the barrels yeah. are continuously going so some of those barrels are they're like 70 80 100 years old and they've never been changed and it's just continuously evolving and continuously moving and, and, and changing the different, well, not changing, bringing the different the newer wines in, or the new sherry in, and it keeps maturing. Now, Brilliant. that would be right up your wife's strasse because he once famously said that she never likes to finish the bottle or the glass and will wait for the next day and then just kind of, you know, yes. when it's dinner time again, you can pick up where you left off. So I'd assume you would have, she would have loved it. Yeah, no. Listen, uh, it was a it was a very very interesting uh, tour. Not not particularly long, but a great tour that was very entertaining and very very informative. Um, loved it, and the wine was fantastic. Yeah, sounds pretty good to me, Mark. I've gone for the Origin Pure Cab Sav. Can you guess where that might be from? It's not from Australia this time. Just have a guess what country. Sorry, said again. What was the name of it? Origin Pure Cab Sav. Pure Cab Sav. I reckon you've gone for South African. Yep, correct. Absolutely nailed it. And can you guess how much it was? Uh, you're a, you're about a eight pounder, no, nine I, pounder. I am, but I can. I'm pleased to say I've taken a book out of your leaf. Uh, oh. Some people, yeah, yeah. And if you're listening for the first time, you would think that it's going to be a twenty thirty bottler, but no, I've gone for a, a four pound operation at Audi. Wow, I don't mind. That's pretty good, right? Wow, absolutely brilliant, mate. Good to see that you're learning. You're learning. I'm getting there. Okay, Mark, before we touch back to the wine, let's get stuck into what was a pretty wild, I suppose not just last day of the Premier League, but the last week in terms of from when we last did the podcast. But I guess let's just focus on the end of it all. And I don't like to, you know, negative things get me a bit down on this show. So let's just, we'll rifle through this right at the start so we can get happier and and enjoy our way through the glass of wine. But let's start with the relegated team. So on the last day... Of course, we know that Norwich are relegated, but also Watford and Bournemouth. Bournemouth did pretty much everything they could on the final day. A pretty plucky performance against Everton. Uh, Watford, as we touched on in that, uh, that tough defeat at the Emirates to Arsenal. Are we surprised? Not, maybe not by Norwich, but is there a surprise that another team's not in there? Uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm very surprised that Watford are where they are. You know, I, I, I thought that Watford at the start of the season, I would never have picked Watford to be in that in that sort of predicament. Um, now heading for the championship, I, I thought the squad was was. I mean, I don't like saying it, but too good. Uh, I thought they, were, they had too many good players in their in their squad over the years. They've shown they've got enough experience, but finally, I think the way that the club has managed from the very very top has taken its toll. Um, obviously, you know, I think some very bad decisions have been made regarding regarding lead, leadership, manager of the club, and uh, they've never recovered. Players' confidence has been been hit. 
Um, and then, and then, secondly, players just haven't performed. They haven't been good enough. They haven't performed. Uh, I know it's tough, and I've been there before. You know, and you've had changes in managers, but ultimately, you're all in the same boat. You're all heading, and you're, you're all striving to achieve the same goal. And 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 for me, you know, as a player, um, it was so important, you know, to to be part of a squad or or not be part of a team that went got relegated. You know, try and be if, if when I was playing. Um, you know, I, I, I actually still look at it now pretty pretty proudly and say that wherever I played regularly or played a full season, uh, I was never relegated. So that in itself is, is a huge sense of pride for me. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's disappointing, very disappointing. Bournemouth as well. You know, Bournemouth, I think, has been waiting to happen for a little while. I thought they'd become a little bit stagnant last season. They, they uh, I thought that they, they, they got, they became even more unstable. The performances were nowhere near as good as they were the previous couple of seasons. thought the club had become a little bit stagnant. I thought the manager, Eddie, Eddie Howard, had kind of lost his spark a little bit and also, I think, lost that, that sort of influence within the, the group of players that he had. I think, I, I thought they kind of stopped really hearing the messages and, and, and Eddie Howard didn't have the same impact anymore. Last game of the season, yes, they did the job, but it's way too little too late. You know, to put yourself in that predicament, you know, 37 games, heading into the last game of the season where you are, it's out of your hands. You know, you go out there and put a good performance away to, to Everton, but they still get relegated. That's, that's a factor of just not being good enough over the course of, of 38 games. And, and unfortunately, for all three teams, they deserve to be where they are. Yeah, definitely. So if we start with Watford, you touched on there that they don't have a manager. It was a bit of, I mean, it was a, it was a serious punt that they've gone to just go, right, oh, let's get, Rita Pearson for the final two games of the season. There's one moment that summed those two games up. Uh, So the two guys that have taken over were, of course, part of the backroom staff, the under-23 staff. One of them was, now this won't translate to our listeners, but one of them was sort of suggesting with their hands to to push up, to push up the field. And the other person was going at the exact same time, was pushing his hands down as if to say to slow the tempo down. And it almost summed it up in a way that you go, well, no one knows what, what they're it? doing. Like, what's, what, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, I feel for those guys. You know, I feel for Hayden Mullins, um, particularly, you know, sort of thrusted into that limelight, thrusted into that job. You know, you've got Man City and Arsenal in your last two games of the season where you need to try and get a result to stay out because a result would have been enough uh, in both of those games. The, and, I, and I do feel for Watford a little bit as well. And well, even Bournemouth, as it turns out, Bournemouth now because Villa got away with it. Because let's not forget the first game after the after the pandemic, the restart at home to Sheffield United, the goal that was never given, and that ultimately has now kept them in the Premier League. So when I said earlier on there, over the course of thirty eight games, you know, the tale doesn't lie. They just got incredibly fortunate because in an era where we've got VAR. And uh, goal line technology in particular, goal line technology has been incredible since its introduction. That is the first time it's severely broke down. And the backup in VAR didn't do its job. So I feel, I feel for, for Bournemouth in that instant. However, over the course of 38 games, man, like I said, mm. t- table doesn't lie. You know, I know you can have off seasons. I know you can, you can, you know, you can be sc- scrapping and, 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 and fighting for your life at the bottom of the table. Um, and you can have those odd seasons, but I, I think both teams over the last couple of seasons have kind of shown that they were heading that way. So, uh, when we did our first sack race, uh, 
um, episode very early on in the piece, we were also that the following segment was talking about uh, managers and what cars they are. And I believe yep. that you said Eddie Howe was a fit. And I, I believe that that was the comparison drawn at the time. Uh, scratch that for no, now. I didn't say he was a fear. I said he was a second-hand Mercedes. Second-hand Mercedes, of course. Who was the yeah. fear? Someone was a fear, for sure. Um, uh, Vauxhall. No, sorry, I lie. I lie, I lie, I lie. I said he was a Vauxhall. Okay. He was one of the, one of the, the, the top-end top end Vauxhalls. That's what he was. So if he sorry. was to have... That's okay. Don't do it again, obviously, but I appreciate it. I'll, I'll try not to. I'll yeah. try not to. Thanks, Mark. So if he had left before the start of this season uh, to somewhere else, we don't know what car he'd be, but now he's taken his club and, uh, you know, into the championship, which isn't great on anyone's CV. What sort of car is he right now, do you think, going into the next season? Well, he's, he's gone from the top of the range Vauxhall to a Vauxhall Corsa, which is their, their entry level, uh, or even, a, even probably, yeah, a Vauxhall Corsa, yeah. So that's probably their entry level, one of their entry level cars. That's what he's dropped down to. So he's um, still of the same... You know, ilk and, and brand, but it's just not. Yes. Yeah. yeah the ultimate that hasn't changed, but he's dropped down dramatically uh, within those rankings. And and it'd be interesting to see what the future holds for not only Bournemouth in particular, but also Eddie Howe, whether or not he stays. I mean, he, he did send mixed messages after the last game of the season. I, you know, Bournemouth is a funny one. You look at Bournemouth and you look at Burnley as another example. You just wonder how will those clubs go get on without people like Eddie Howe and, and, and uh, uh, Sean Dyke. They are just such big influences. I mean, listen, no club will... The club will always exist, or you, you would think, you would like to think, not always, but 99% of the time will always exist. No one's bigger than the club. But in this instance, I don't know. Particularly Burnley. I mean, Sean Dyke, I talked about it earlier on, like the last couple of days. You know, you talk about managers of the season, and of course, Jurgen Klopp is the manager of the season in my eyes. Chris Wilder's done an insanely good job. If Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool had not had the season that they had, and the winner was just sort of kind of limped over the line, and it was indifferent, and it was very tight, and a season where the rest of the pack were indifferent and inconsistent, you'd be there'd be a real struggle on, a real fight on between Chris Wilder and Sean Dyche as, as manager of the season. Because what they have done is insanely good um, against the expectation, particularly Chris Wilder initially, but Sean Dyche has repeatedly defied uh, the experts, defied logic at times. Um, they're the one that worry me the most because there's been a bit of, bit of, there's been a bit of noise coming out of Burnley about potentially Sean Dyche moving on, being a little bit frustrated with the way that their club is dealing, particularly with players out of contract. Um, that is a worry for them. I don't know. I'm not saying they won't exist anymore, but what will happen is I believe whoever takes over there has got a hell of a job to, to try and fill those shoes. Um, I think it takes a certain type of manager to be able to take on that, that role at a club like Burnley um, where you have to be incredibly economical. You have to improve the players that you have um, and on a very limited budget. and. You know, he's, he, I think what he's done is he's gotten the very best out of the, out of the vast majority of players he had at that club. So one manager who did get off to, to quote you, an, an insanely good start to the season was Brendan Rodgers. And he's finished off in a pretty insanely mediocre job, I think, with Leicester. The, the, the a game yesterday, or the day before, sorry, I should say, uh, between Manchester United and Leicester was pretty disappointing. They were in and around it all day long, Leicester, but... 
it was like order had weirdly been restored, Mark. Like oh, you got that sense that of, of going, oh no, back to the food chain. <laughs> Manchester United. I don't know. Is is that the way you felt? Yeah, a little bit. You know, like Leicester, Leicester's performance against Manchester United, I think, pretty much summed up the second half of the season for them. You know, they kind of got themselves in a bit of a rut and never really got out of it. And, uh, you know, they had an, uh, a brilliant position. All they needed to do was try and hold on to it. They couldn't do it. Manchester United, to their credit, went on, a, went on a brilliant run, deserved to finish in the top four in the end, as did Chelsea, I, I always say it as well. Um, Leicester, at the start of the season, had you said, or had they been given the opportunity to finish in the Europa League position, I'm, I'm sure they would have stuck people's hands off for it. You know, let's not forget, in December, we were talking about, or Brendan Rodgers even came out and said, we are we are title contenders. We are going to go for the Premier League title. And they were in a great position. They were probably the most logical team that could potentially challenge, at that particular time, Liverpool. Uh, as it turns out, Man City was still the only one, but they were still a long, long way off, off the, off the pace from, from, from Liverpool. So yeah, Leicester, bitterly disappointing in the end, but overall, putting things in perspective, they've had a really good season, but it's just leaves a sour taste in your mouth because I think I just read something today. I think there's like 300, over 300 days in the top four this mm. season. Yeah. Manchester United, Manchester United was something like 20 odd days in the top four. That is. So, yeah, but, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter how long you're there for. All that matters is come that 38, after that last game of the season, that 38 game of the season, you are in that top four. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately all that matters. Or you are in the safe zone. You're not relegated. You know what I mean? That's ultimately what it comes down to, and that's what matters. I was interested yesterday, I was at that game in particular and sitting quite near some of the other Leicester guys that weren't playing. So they were all in a, you know, we're all in a, the media sort of section. And James Madison has never struck me as the sort of operator to be too vocal or to possibly even care too much, really. There's bigger and better things out there potentially if he would like to, you know, take that advantage. They were so vocal, so gutted at the end. Should it, literally at the end, they just sat there, hats off, put their head in their hats and they just didn't move, didn't say anything, didn't move. And it just shows that some of these guys, hopefully, they want a future there, but they want it to be at the highest level. So it must be pretty disappointing for those guys. Oh, massively disappointing. You know, like, you know, as a player, when you're in that position for such a long period of time, you feel like, you know, before the pandemic hit, uh, hit you know, Leicester would have been looking at going, okay, right, how high can we go? Well, you know, third is a minimum at this stage. You know, this is, you know, we're going to try and get as close to Manchester City as possible. You know, what a season we're having. And you're kind of almost rubbing your hands and going, right, this is brilliant. Uh, Champions League football's coming back to Leicester. And this is where these guys want to play. Some, some guys you'd argue and say that maybe, maybe won't get the opportunity again. Um, other players, you know, like, like Madison, his first proper season in the Premier League and an opportunity then to, to have a successful season and end up in the Champions League position. I mean, what, a, what an incredible season that would have been. Tillemans, you know, Ndidi. A lot of these players would have been that extra uh, incentive or opportunity for the club to possibly tie these players down to longer contracts to keep them at the club. Maybe not to, you know, to maybe, maybe keep them more focused on Leicester and not really be, be drawn for the opportunity if they have a really good season like Madison had earlier on. I think Madison dropped off quite a lot. Uh, towards the end, I don't know he was injured, but I think I don't think he was anywhere near as as as, 
as effective in the team. Uh, I thought he started the season incredibly well. First six months was, was brilliant, but then fell off dramatically. Um, and then, and that can happen. You know, it's, it's a big setup. It's the adrenaline, it's the physicalities of it, the pressures in to a degree. Then you get an injury, and that takes a bit of time to get back into your rhythm. And, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll be at Leicester again next season. The, the, the question is for, for Leicester, had they finished in the Champions League position, would people like, uh, you know, Ben Chilwell have stayed at the club because he's been heavily linked with, say, Manchester City and Chelsea. Um, I think that job now of trying to keep players like Ben Chilwell at the club a little bit more difficult. From a Manchester United perspective, huge moment for them. Huge moment. You know, congratulations. Back where they, where they ultimately deserve and, and probably should be. There's one moment though we need to talk about that I thought was the funniest thing to have happened all season. I've been keeping a close eye on a guy who popped up in my newsfeed once who had put a £10 bet on Jay Lings to not score or assist all season long. And he comes on <laughs> the final 15, 20 minutes, however he was on for, and he scored the last goal of the Premier League season. I mean, a part of me feels like Jesse Lingard knew about this. And he just thought, well, actually, why don't I just, just to show him, I'm going to do it right at the last kick. Brilliant, brilliant, isn't it? That's hilarious. You know, when, when someone, as a player, I mean, maybe he knew about it, maybe he didn't. And if, if he did know about it, you, that would give you that little bit of extra incentive just to spoil it for the guy. You know, because... You know, you'd be, you'd be taking that personally, of course. You're going, right, okay, yeah, I'm having a bad run. And yeah, okay, all right, I'm going to prove you wrong. If the, the last thing I can do at the very least this season is score or, or have an assist. It prevents you from winning your bet. That's brilliant. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's not great, though, overall. I mean, you know, we, we, the guy put the bet on losers, but I think he's the real winner in a sense because Jesse Lingard still only got one goal and zero assists for the entire season and it came off a mistake. You know, it... It's, um, it's been a, a disappointing year for him. You know, someone who's been touted as the next best thing at that certain periods in his career. Would he be worried for, for his future, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. No, he has dropped off dramatically. He's had a bad run of form. I mean, there are similarities to, not as extreme, but Deli Ali. You know, Deli Ali's dropped off quite a lot as well. You know, player that was a big part, big, big important player for England and Spurs, of course, as was just Lingo with England and, and, uh, and Manchester United. The dip in form is incredibly worrying. I, I think Jesse Lingard will be leaving Manchester United. I can't see him staying there. Um, and I, I think he needs to. He needs to go leave, get out there, put himself out there and put himself a little bit more in the, in the, in the uncomfortable zone. You know, what, what would that look like? Well, to a club where he's got, like, you know, in one way, he's probably got a contract for another couple of years. He could take the easier route and say, right, you know what? I'm actually going to sit where I am. I'm going to fight for my place and be literally a squad player. Maybe only play fewer games next season. Um, maybe the guy could put another bet on and probably win his bet next season. You never know <laughs> if he were to stay at Manchester United. I, I think for him, it's a case of rolling his sleeves up and going, right, I'm going to take an opportunity, find a club, the best possible option that may be out there for him. Um, and go, right, I'm going to prove my critics wrong. I'm going, to, I'm going to get down to hard work. I'm going to come back fitter and stronger than I ever have in pre-season, and I'm going to hit the ground running, and I'm going to go there. I've got new fans to, to prove wrong. I'm already going there with a little bit of negativity around me because people are going, oh, why have we signed him? He's 
Edwards. He's a Manchester United player that hasn't performed well in the last couple of years. So there's all those things, like that incentives, which I had in my career at various moments where, you know, when I left Middlesbrough, I've said it before, I think, on the show as well, is that, you know, you got written off. People think you're finished, you're gone, you're past your years by day, and then you go, and it gives you that little bit of extra incentive to prove people wrong. And I'm sure Jesse Lingard has got that in the back of his mind. If I move on, right, this is a great opportunity to clean the slate, start again, and I'm going to show people that I am still good enough and I'm going to, I'm going to. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. To get back to hopefully and probably and, and hopefully surpass my previous form. Halftime drinks here are the two shut reds. Marcus, we just take a sip of our burgundy grape. I'm enjoying this cap sap, by the way. I'll throw a bit of a question out there because we like it during the halftime drinks to just throw a bit of an existential you know, question, sort of you know, solve the world's issues, I think, uh, you know, is a nice way of putting it. I'll ask you this. Wearing your next season's kit before that season, yes or no? It's just been traditionally always the thing. Um, every club I've been at, the last game of the season, you're wearing, you're showcasing the very next season's kit. Am I a fan of it? Um, I'll, before you answer, I'll say then, okay, Chelsea brought theirs in weeks ago. Yeah, but that's only because of the pandemic. That's the only reason. So some clubs opted to bring it in at the, at the, the time when they, they were originally planned to bring it in, you know, or close enough to that time. So um, it's a bit weird, like Chelsea have played for that long in that same kit. Yes, I have to admit. I, I think the, the last game of the season, I don't have a problem with that. I actually think it's kind of cool. You, you, you're playing a new kit. You're excited. The fans are excited about the, you know, the, the, the new kit for next season. They get to see it. They get to see their team play one game in it before the end of the season. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of that. The way Chelsea have done it so sooner, not necessarily, no. Because the start of next season, we look at it going, oh, yeah, I've seen that, that, that kit's from last season. Yeah, they wore it for most of the last, well, the, the back end of last season. Gosh, it's not really that new, is it? I, I hate it. Oh, it's so frustrating because, again, I'm more of a fan than you in terms of just a fan, right? So I, I do go out and buy the kits. I'll go to the store and, you know, I'll yeah. you know, get someone's name on the back of the shirt and all that sort of stuff. And so who did you get this year? Who did you get this year? Hector Bellerin. He's my, he's my man. Yeah. Is he? Okay. Yeah, big fan. Um, did, you go in, did you go to the barbershop? When you went to the, the well, sorry, hairdressers, the did, you ask, did you ask for a Hector? No, I asked for a Warney in two, 1995. <laughs> just as good. Yeah, you just, don't you need a bit spikier on top to be a Warney? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, more yeah. hedgehoggy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just feel like, especially if it's for a big club that, that sort of can get away with charging so much, it's just a bit like, well, let me enjoy, let me enjoy the kit that I've just bought, bought and paid for. And then also, if you finish the season off like Arsenal have, okay, all right, let's say this. If Arsenal win the FA Cup, I will instinctively have good memories with our new kit for next season. But yes. if we don't, or if you're a team that got relegated, 
it's a bit like, don't you kind of want a clean slate? You want to start that next season off fresh. And I might be overanalyzing that, but it would be kind of nice to start new, start again almost. It's the little things, isn't it? It's just those little me, things that make all, sure. yeah, yeah, make all the difference. I, I get what you're saying. And as a player, I think you're probably thinking on the same line. I know, yeah, maybe. Some players will, some won't care. doesn't matter what strip you're wearing. As long as you win, if you lose, it's like, well, you've lost. That's, that's, that's just, that the fact of life is in sport, there's, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. Well, not always, but a lot of the time, particularly when it comes to a cup final, of course. Um, and end of the season, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I hear what you're saying. And also, with a, in terms of Arsenal's kit, their kit this season is phenomenal. Like, it's one of my favourite kits. Yeah. It, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, the new one looks great. But the, the, these, this season's, any, any one of Arsenal's kits this season were, were exceptional. Speak of things that you like. I'm going to throw three ones at you. What should you keep next season for the Premier League? I know one of these things has already been, unless I've missed something, I think it is staying around. But five subs, a drinks break, or refs being mic'd up so that we can continue to hear everything that, you know, because I've really enjoyed that. I have taken the option to not have the crowd effects and appreciated hearing things. So those three, I, what do you reckon? Yep. I think the, the miking of the referees and been able, and able to you to then, you know, hear the coin toss, hear the discussions during the game, the emotions of the game. I think it works a couple of ways. It, I think it's great from, from, the, from the spectator's perspective, media's perspective, to get a bit of a more understanding and insight, a, a personal kind of, uh, feel of what's going on on the football pitch, hearing the emotions, hearing the discussions that go on. It keeps you also a little bit more informed as to maybe what's happening, why the referee stopped the game, why he's having a, a discussion with someone. Um, and and uh, I, I think that's brilliant. The other, the other factor is what, what I believe it will help um, control, maybe even, even reduce the amount of abuse or reactions of players towards officials. Because mm. all of a sudden they know everybody can hear what you're saying. So you've got to be very careful in how you approach and how you speak to the referee. I, I, I for one, I, one of the things that I don't really like is the way that footballers do address referees at times, the way they do surround referees, the way they do complain. I think that's something that needs to be, try to be brought more under control. It has improved dramatically, but I still think it needs, it still needs more improving. And I suppose from a fan's perspective as well, because I think it's pretty on trend, it's very vogue to just blame what the referee's done. But what you don't seem to get in other sports in Australia like the AFL, when you can hear the umpire and everything that they're saying, you can kind of, before you, unless you're at the game, it's a bit different, but when you're watching on TV, your instinct is, oh, why is he, and then you listen, and they've explained it right there and then. You go, oh, to be fair, I didn't know that rule. So I think from a fan's perspective as well, we calm a lot of people down. I totally agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the moment, you know, we've we've had over the last uh, twelve months a lot of confusion around regarding VAR, the communication uh, between you know the the officials, the stadium, uh, conveying those messages out to not only the people within the stadium but also the viewers watching on TV, and and, and that for me needs to improve dramatically. Oh, VAR it goes without saying. There are aspects of VAR, the refereeing, the the uh, the you know the the, the I suppose the usage of the, of, of the technology needs to improve, of course. That, that goes without saying. 
But I think the communication is so important. The, the communication is one of the biggest issues, in, in my opinion. Giving, giving people an information as to why a decision is underway. What, what, what are they looking for? Um, is it ongoing as the game is still played? You know, why can't you have that conversation with the referee with the VAR official as he's still running and chasing the game, you know, watching the game, refereeing the game? Because there's no stoppage in play. At least people know that there's, there's a review in, in place. Yeah. And it's not just a case of people complaining, why haven't they blown for that one? Why isn't there, you know, why haven't they stopped play? Well, they don't stop play unless the ball goes out. You know, that's the, that's the yeah. beauty of having the, the technology. That's a, a, a real pet hate of mine that you've just touched on, a real trigger point when people say, oh, why aren't they reviewing that on VAR? Okay, well, shock, mate. They are. They've reviewed it yeah. already. They've just not let yes. the referee know that there needs to be anything further. So that, again, would be a nice reminder. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and not only... They, I'm sure they've let the referee know. They've let the referee know that there isn't a, a, yeah. a free kick. There isn't an infringement. So, but what, where I find an issue is that we don't know. And it's generally information that's passed on and then a commentator may, may then convey it to the, to the, to the people watching the game. Yeah. And, and that to me just takes too long. It just needs to come up. It needs to be flowing. It needs to be, even if, even if we don't necessarily hear the conversation, there's got to be a way of knowing and, and someone hearing the conversation relaying that message on them and say, yeah, this is, this is what you put on the screen you know, under review, just quickly, within a couple of minutes, within, sorry, not even a couple of minutes, within 20, 30 seconds, you could be pressing a button saying under review because yeah. they've heard the conversation between the, the officials. I'm not saying broadcast necessarily. I mean, in an ideal world, they should broadcast the, uh, the, the conversation between the referee and, and the official, the, the AVR official. If not, press a button under review. Okay, review concluded, no penalty, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And, and, and that, to me, is still too slow. And often, there's no information. Five subs, yes or no? I don't think five subs should continue, no. No, I, I think I understand why it was introduced. I, I, I agree also with the biggest concern about it. I think it would definitely advantage the bigger teams, the bigger squads, the better players, the larger squads, the better quality of squads um, than, than the smaller clubs. I, I totally agree. I think, I think it should be brought back to three. And then the last one was the drinks break, which, of course, was brought in because of the, in Dr. Evil verdict, you know, quote marks, hot day uh, here in Yeah, England. but it's a time of year, though, isn't it? We, we, we're not used to playing. You know, you, you don't normally play football in, in, in June, July. You play in July, the back end of July, maybe in pre-season, you know. So, and it is very, very hot. But they're non-competitive games. So I, and, and in pre-season games, there are drink breaks. More yeah. often than not, you will have a drinks break in pre-season game. So I, I don't have a problem with, like now, it's, it, I, it's literally for me, it has to be a bit of a one-off. I don't think drinks breaks should be brought back in. in, in, in unless there is another pandemic, there is another uh, an issue and a break, you know, and a halt in the season, and the season were to then carry on later like it has this year, absolutely bring it back in. But once we get back to hopefully some normality, no, get rid of the drinks okay. break. Where, when you were playing, um, where did you keep your drink bottle? Were you a in the net, physically in the net, or on the ground, or behind the goal? Would, well, you used to be able to put it in the net, but yeah. as as the kind of the laws of the game change, and you weren't allowed to do that anymore. So the linesmen go around, you know, they check all the nets as they do again. They double checked it because they've checked them before, you know, wait ages before kickoff, um, and they would then say to you, "You've got to move out of the goal. It's not allowed to be in the goal." 
And then that makes sense because, you know, players are also goal line clearances, diving yeah. into the back of the net to kick the ball. You know, they don't want people to land on a drinks bottle. I know they're mostly plastic, but it could, it could, yeah. you know, you, you could actually tread on one and twist your ankle. You know, anything like that could happen. So get it off the field of play like you do. We just leave it next to the post, off, off, the, off the pitch. Maybe it's normally about sort of half a metre away from the, from the, uh, the post. Off and the pitch. And would you go for a uh, like a sports drink, like a, a Powerade, Gatorade sort of system, or would you be a, a bottle of water? Uh, it varied in my career. It, it changed. So, And again, it depends on time of the year. So when it was warmer, you generally get something with a little bit of uh, maybe electrolytes in it, maybe a bit of a, a Lucozade or a Powerade or whatever. As I got older, I actually tried to stay away from that sort of stuff because the amount of sugars that were in it and I... You know, I didn't do the same mileage as everyone else. And the older you get, as you know, you know, it's more difficult to keep the weight off, isn't that right, Ollie? Sure. Yeah, I, well, I will tell you in a few years. Now, Mark, two final things before we wrap up for the season. I, I just want to keep it going, to be honest. I don't want it to end, but it's fine. Uh, uh, Jude Bellingham, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Big move to Dortmund. Since then, Birmingham City have retired his number. <laughs> now... You're shaking your head, so I'm just going to roll out the red carpet. I'm assuming I know the answer, but yes or no, like the move. No, it's madness. I mean, listen, I get it like he's, you know, the most expensive 17-year-old of all time and he's come from Birmingham. Yeah, great. Put a plaque up. Retiree shirt. Well, I mean, what is that? Like, he played, he's played a handful of games for the club. Well, I mean, that's just, that's insane. I, I, don't, I don't get that. There's a fan's perspective. What do you, what do you think? Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, you do it for, you know, you, you know, all right, 15 years. You go, this is probably worth it. You know, someone who's knocked back time and time after again, you know, other offers from clubs could have gone elsewhere but chose not to. Different story. But yeah. he's played 40-something 40, 40 games. It's I mean, look at, look, at, look, at, look at Stephen Gerrard's number at Liverpool. Then yeah. he retire it. And look yeah. what he's accomplished. Yeah. So, and how long is at the club for? Jamie Carragher, they didn't retire his number. And, and you know, number 23. And if they're going to, you kind of, you, if they were to have done that with Liverpool, you kind of go, okay, yeah, I get that. But then, Jesus, they wouldn't have any numbers left. If you look no. at the great players that used to play at Liverpool. They, I mean, if Arsenal had done it, okay, you may have only had 11 because it was like the invincible. <laughs> Maybe 11 numbers that wouldn't exist anymore. Well, they exist, but not allowed to use anymore. Yeah. But that's it. And Martinez's number. So it's, you know... Him in to be fair, game. funny enough, he's been linked with Chelsea, hasn't he? Ian, yeah. Wright, Ian Wright's concerned that he may be poached by, by Chelsea. Obviously, there was agent check at Arsenal and uh, he will have a, a, a very good relationship with Martinez. Last yeah. one, uh, Jose Mourinho's celebrations. He's, um, it's weird, you know, celebrating sixth. Yeah, but you think, I think you've got to put things in perspective. I honestly do. And I get it, right? I, I get People saying, listen, he's a Champions League winner, Premier League title winner, you know, multiple titles around Europe, and he's, he, he, he's celebrating finishing sixth. If you look at their season, you look when he took over the club, what position they were in, limited funds that they've had to, to reinvest. He's had to try and bring the best out of the players that he's had, and people will argue and say, has he done that? Has he not done it? Some he has, some he hasn't. Um, I think all things considered to be in the position that they were in, it's a, it's a, it's a good accomplishment, a good achievement. Is it? And it, and it's, and I get it. You know, when you're in that group and you, your full focus, your full work, uh, your, your objectives are 
let's finish as high as possible you can. Okay, we're, the, the goal is Champions League. Then as the games go by, you go, you realise that's just not realistic. We can't do it. We, we, we didn't win enough of our games. In the end, we dropped too many points since the restart or even before that. But next objective is to finish in a European place, so Europe, i.e. Europa League. Let's finish as high as we possibly can. And in the end, they did it. They accomplished it. And that, that's, that is a sense of relief. And there's a little bit of celebration that can go with it. All things considered, current climate, how long it's taken, all that sort of stuff. And I think, I think they've, uh, you know, why wouldn't you celebrate it? I'm, I'm, you know, you could argue and say, yeah, maybe slightly over the top. Yeah, possibly. But it's still a good accomplishment. Tell you what All I'm things not, considered. I'll tell you what I'm not celebrating. What's that? The end of uh, two shut reds. For them. Well, no, it's, listen, it's only, it's only a brief pause. Yeah. You know, and, a and hiatus. Yeah, uh, you're looking a bit tired. Yeah. You, I mean, you know, I'm looking tired. Look at Mr. Spain over here. To quote, before we started recording, he said to your wife, who was, you, the, the, sounds like the biggest issue in your world at the moment was what area of the beach you were going to find her on after recording this episode. And then when you. And? Well, what, and then what, you worked what, that out, you said, make sure there's a nice cold beer waiting for me. So, so you're looking so a bit tired, mate. What, what's you're your point? You're, what, what's you're, your the po- ti- you're the tired one. You're the, you know. I'm, mate, I'm on my feet, ready to go. I'm here, I'm there, you know, I'm doing weights. I'm sitting down, you know, I'm, I'm keeping, you know, I'm ready, to be honest, but you need the break and that's, you know, I understand. I understand that. Uh, but I suppose for the final time until we, we come back for the Champions League and Europa League, how yep. did you enjoy your wine? Did it live up to the last time you had it? Because I do find it, wines can sometimes taste different when you have it almost purely just on experience. So if you know that you really enjoyed the time there, you touched on you with a few people, you had yep. the whole thing, and it can sometimes taste a bit different back home. Was that the case? Uh, no, it's tasted exactly the same. And the thing is, maybe because I'm in the same climate, I'm just down the road. Um, I bought directly from the, the bodega. And you can buy, this is the cool thing. I mean, I, I don't know if this is something that happens everywhere. I definitely haven't seen it at vineyards is that here in Spain, you go to a, to a sherry bodega, um, is that you can either buy it in a bottle, mm-hmm. as you would like a, a normal bottle of wine, or they have like two litre plastic bottles. And they literally, out of the massive big barrel, they have a big tap on it, and they put their bottle up, fill it all the way up, they put their stickers around it and everything else, and you buy like a big two litre bottle of this, and it's brilliant. And uh, no, very, ta- very tasty. It's, 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 um, you know, it's one of those wines, a sherry wine is, is a slightly different wine to a normal one, and um, a traditional wine. And it's, it's for me, I couldn't drink as much of it as, as I would a normal bottle of red wine. Right. It's, it's a little bit, a little bit, for me, a little bit stronger. This is a dry, a dry red wine. Um, and it's a uh, you know pretty pretty dark dark uh, color, very very sort of very strong fragrant fragrance, um, and it's full very very full body. But you, I think you would really, really like it. Probably would, but I, I know what yeah. you're saying. It would be a real two three glass operation, and then yes, off, yes, and then, then you yeah. may go into something like a bit lighter or something like that. But it's very very tasty. And it's, a, it's a slightly different taste, well, different taste, and a different uh, different parts of your palate. But it's it's interesting, you know. It's in trying different uh, different wines, different uh, different varieties around the world, and and this is the area where we are, not far anyway, is the area for sherry, and not far. The port is actually the same port that Christopher Columbus set sail from to discover America. 
So there you go, a bit of history for you. Someone's done it to her. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. No, I don't need to because my wife's a real history buff and she told me and, uh, and we looked it up on, 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 the, on the internet. <laughs> oh, well. My wife's a history buff also. We've got a phone. Is yes, that what, yeah, of course. Yes. I like it. Well, uh, while you just swig your share around and decide which player you want to compare it to, I've got a pretty straightforward, quick one. I'll, I'm just going to get it off the bat for you. Uh, I, I did have the Origin Pure Cab Sav from South Africa. I'm going to be honest here. I don't think the owners of Origin Pure listen to the show, so I'll be I'll be brutally honest and say didn't like it. Not for me. Really? Cab Sav? Really? Nah, just didn't do anything for me. Nah, it's drinkable. It's fine, but it's... Uh, I mean, it's... Just not as exciting as I would like, but that's okay. And the, the, the description, though, that it's pretty obvious who I'm going to pick. I thought when I when I was really reading through it was the fact that the blend is produced from carefully selected local, uh, locally grown organic grapes. The result is a very lively, exciting young wine. So it's a 2019 vintage, carefully picked local grapes. I think it's. I was going to choose someone like Mason Mount, and I was very close to doing him. But I think, in celebration of our you know, recent comments, I think I'm going to have to retire this wine, put it up on the wall with Jude Bellingham's number twenty-two. I think it's got to be local wine, local boy. It's uh, it makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so my Oloroso from the. Uh, from the bodega in Puerta de Santa Maria, it's the Gutierrez Colosia. Um, it's a, a very, very full-bodied, dark amber, mahogany in colour, strong fragrance. Um, aging is about five years, so you've got a good, a good bit of a bit of time, a bit longer than normal, normally kind of like the, the standard wine that you go and buy off the shelf. So hangs around a little bit longer. And uh, the first person that popped in the mind, actually, is because it's such a strong flavor, strong, full-bodied, um, intense. And this player was, I played with him at Chelsea, and he was full-on. The minute he walked over that football pit, that line on the football pitch, he was full-on, fully, you know, his body and all in tackles, loved a scrap, loved to get into people's faces. Um, and the other, the thing that actually got me straight away to think of this person was that it's age, you know, ages that lasted up to about another five years extra. This guy looked five years older than actually what he was. Um, top, top class striker though. Fantastic striker. And big reason why Chelsea won the Premier League title when he was there. Uh, he was huge for Atletico Madrid, gone back there again afterwards. But uh, yeah, full bodied, full on. Five years older, definitely than 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 what he what he was, and uh, a real character off the pitch. I have to say, good fun, good value. So none other than Diego Costa. Diego, he did, didn't he? You look at him, you go, "There's no way." Like it, it, almost though, he looked like he was born looking like that. Don't you? Like you could, if you went through the the Costa's family photo album, you just wait. Here he is at three, and he's just got that that frown on it, his face. He'd look the same. It's, still, it's almost like. His baby shots were his head and his face from yeah. being an adult. Yeah. It's just, it's just his body group. Yeah. It's almost yeah. a smart way of doing it. So he's, he looks older than he looks, but we assume he's going to look like this forever. So yes. then when, when everyone else is sort of, you know, naturally of age, he, he's going to look like quite a young man. So yeah. I don't mind that from Diego. Absolutely. Uh, now, now, Mark, as we touched on last episode of the season, we'll be back before you know it. Very, very quick. Just a quick cerveza 
uh, a quick uh, siesta from you, Mark, and then we'll be back back into the swing of it. But of course, you can still join the Facebook group, Two Sharp Reds by Optus Sports, the, the private group where we like to pick on Mark and you know send a few memes and, and put some stuff in there. So make sure you get involved with that. You still aren't on that group, is that right? You, you well. I've applied to be let in, but no one's letting yeah. me in. So I think it's a personal thing. I'm taking, I'm certainly am uh, yeah. feeling offended. And I don't know, I might just go and join another group. Oh, Gaganpod group. Well, they don't have a group, so sucked in. Oh, right. Yeah, it says everything you need to know, isn't it? <laughs> that's, such an Aussie, that's such an Aussie thing, sucked in. Oh, oh, and suck eggs. Suck eggs, mate. <laughs> Got Chewy on your boot. Mark, uh, big cheers to you, and we'll see you back for the, the start of the European footy. Cannot wait. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see you in your beanie and your rug boots very shortly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 